Hello and welcome to the TOVG podcast. My name's George Weedman, and who's a man and a half? I'm a man and a half. <laughs> There's a lot going on this week, a lot of slimy, messy topics to slop around in when we might get each other messy, so put on your suit and let's dive right in. We actually have a special guest this time. It's none other than a great personal friend of mine named Matthew McVisual from the Matt Visual channel. Oh, a great personal friend? I, I don't, a great I don't personal think you've, friend. you said that, George. I, We've I, I, eaten nachos together. I know, I know. I mean, that's that's the ties that bind us. <laughs> Absolutely. We also I mean, have uh, you guys. We, what? Okay, you could eat nachos with us too um, on like camera or something. What? Let me know when you're eating nachos next. I will spiritually eat nachos with you. Right, right next to us, eating nachos with us, three thousand miles away, is Jimmy. Hi guys, it's me again. So, what games have you guys been playing this week? How have your weeks been? <laughs> My week's been pretty awesome. I uh, actually just picked up. Or actually got sent to me, thank you to the devs who sent this to me, a game called Rhythm Destruction, which is like like a shoot 'em up like Toho or Jamestown or whatever, but mm-hmm. crossed with like DDR rhythm elements and it's uh it's been interesting. I've really I don't know, I I've, I've enjoyed it. It's very hard. I'm not a shoot 'em up player and especially not like a bullet hell shoot 'em up player. So like the later levels are like like focus on the boss and hit the buttons in the right time also dodge the like 17 (laughs) circling rings of bullets that are like intertwining around you and so yeah i don't know it's been a lot of fun though from what i played yeah i'm getting into bullet hells this week because i did a video on japanese indie games and you kind of have to like the bullet hell is two japanese indies as the 2d side scroller is to western indies yeah and the thing i notice about those games the trick to get good at them is to just hold down the fire button and forget and like don't care about what you're shooting because you're going to be hitting something but i end up tapping my fingers to the music anyway because that's a really great music that you get kind of right. caught into and that <laughs> seems like a cool idea of um like fixing something that might be a design oversight which is there is no penalty restricting you from not holding down the fire button while also incorporating something that I end up finding myself doing naturally in these games anyway because mm-hmm. well, it's, it's also kind of a rhythm beat game right yeah I mean like the whole deal is that you don't really have like a gun on your ship that you can control but certain enemies that fly in the screen they will have a button oh first of all they'll be a colored ship so you know exactly which button they're going to be but then eventually the button will appear and there's like a ring that appears around it and when the ring shrinks and matches the size of the button that is EBA (laughs) what it elite beat agents I'm you guys don't know yeah no okay good good thank you it because that is a great game Jimmy you should play elite beat agents anyways go on on. I I may check it out after this but uh I don't know it's just like a cool system because like the ships will usually fly in in the order that they're going to be like activated but sometimes they won't and so you have to like pay close attention and then like they have this little system where not every note is on a beat sometimes they're you know they're offbeat or they're like a cool little like like swing rhythm or something mm-hmm. and the the ring on the outside changes to a different color depending on what type of note it is so you know that this like oh that's purple so it's a 16th note so i need to like pay attention to like how the rhythm is going to come up and it's like it's really 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 hard but it's like super i don't know fun it's just like I even like died on a few stages and it was fun dying because I was like working really hard to like pay attention to the notes and I just like ran straight into walls because I wasn't paying attention to my ship. And so, you know, really useful game reviewing rule of thumb. If you're having fun while dying, it's probably doing something right. <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
Uh, Matt, how, what have you been up to this week? Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight. Disheveled Knight. Yes, it's um, that. Well, that I've been playing today, but I played a lot of WildStar and Gary's Mod. I, Gary's I'm the only mod. one in the world I haven't that hasn't played uh, Gary's Mod. You, you might be. It's, You've never played it, Gary's Mod. It's never. really. It's weird. I I wish I could go back to playing Gary's Mod for the first time and being that weirded out again. <laughs> it, so it's, it's really fun. I mean, Prop Hunt and Murder Town and Terrorist Hunt and all those. I was just like, wow, this is actually really fun to get into. And I, I was I I mean, I've watched this on YouTube all the time. You know, people have it's really fun popular with YouTube games. fodder. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, actually ex- yeah. experiencing it with, you know, random guys in there, mostly <laughs> little kids, you know, screaming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was an enjoyable experience. It's definitely worth, uh, you know, the 15% off um, $12 <laughs> I spent for. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. And, and it's really interesting how the Gary's Mod, like, ecosystem works. Like, there are sub-games within Gary's Mod. There are a lot of them that are also really, really active for a mod yeah. that came out in 2004, right at the cusp of the Half-Life 2 launch. And, um, I'm, I sometimes wonder how things got as popular and weird as they did with Gary's Mod. Like, in a lot of ways, it was the the progenerator of um, really creative games that got super popular nowadays, like Minecraft and um, yeah, Li- Little Big Planet, and might be another example too on console side. But it it was Minecraft before Minecraft in a weird in a weird way, wasn't it? Yeah, I kids think like in, kids in like that, Minecraft too. Well, I <laughs> oh, think yeah. in that vein, like the the kids who like Minecraft now think of like those that same age but when Gary's Mod came out it was probably still kids like you Mm -hmm. know when Gary's Mod came out they're like oh cool Gary's Mod but as they have aged 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 and as they have grown older they've uh kind of grown in I mean I'm hope I'm hoping they've grown mentally as well and one would hope they're like transferring that into being more interested in the game for different reasons like somebody who just wanted to put thrusters all over explosive barrels back when they were young is probably like using wire mod now and like programming and making their own maps or game variants and stuff so yeah where you have a creative tool that you know is like playing with legos as a kid that right. kind of allows the player to express themselves and develop an interest in a technical hobby that could develop into a pre- professional skill yeah definitely user generated content is is spreading and now it's kind of spreading to MMOs as well. I mean, you see uh, EverQuest Next is using user generated content in their really? cities. Yeah, in Landmark. Basically, they're going to have a contest for, uh, you know, all those master builders out there. <laughs> Lego, Lego movie reference. Um, and uh, <laughs> they're going to be building all these. Some people have made not necessarily cities, but huge towers and. Um, how could I explain it without like showing you a video? But like, <laughs> you could literally make anything, 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 and they've, they've broken the game to to even um, it, making sharp edges when they couldn't even do it before. Called like zero voxels, and they can make very sharp edges. And they made like uh, the Star Fox um, ship, uh, Starwing, <laughs> the Arwing, uh-huh. Arwing, which one? Arwing, Arwing. There you go. And um, lots of places like that. Uh, and they're going to use those houses and w- whatever they build. Because you could build right next to each other. So you could even build cities. And they're uh-huh. going to put it in the real game, EverQuest Next. So 
that's going to be quite interesting as well. Because I, I, I think just because the user-generated content is there, that people are going to have a little bit more, you know, they, they, they want to see all the cool stuff that's made by just people who are really talented and creative on the internet. Instead of just, yeah. you know, just the developers, you know, they have their own style and stuff like that. But Yeah, not only that, but that also gives that sort of incentive for people to invest more in the game because then, like, if you invest enough time and you become good enough, then it might be your, like, cool, giant, awesome tower that people will be like, oh, check that out. You need to come on my server so you can check this thing out. It's so cool. Is that a marketing tactic now? <laughs> like, increasing player long-term retention by encouraging them to create stuff that they would have to leave if they cancel their subscription? <laughs> oh, what it's, it's a free game, so... There you go. Okay, I'm just a cynical bastard. <laughs> you know what I'm not cynical about, though, is Shovel Knight. <laughs> you said you've been playing that one too, right, Matt? Oh, as soon as it came out, my friend, I downloaded it. What I was do, like, what do, yes. what do you think? What do you think? Okay, okay, okay. Th this game is a twist of a lot of nostalgia. Like, just, mm, just shoved in there. It's really well done nostalgia, dirt. too. For you to dig back up. It, like I mean, I, I, it has like the DuckTales mechanic where you jump on enemies. It has uh, a little bit of golden axe every time you finish a level. And, you know, uh, there might be some mini game that gives you a bonus. You can shovel up the the fireplace you I know, like after you're done sleeping. Any, any side-scroller that has a downward thrust move from Zelda 2, like, <laughs> I f freaking love that move. Like, just pressing down and knowing that you're good. But it, it's such a comforting feeling. That's all you have to do to, to attack someone from, from the top. And they also, like, the reason I say it's really well done nostalgia, you see a lot of um, nostalgic games that kind of uh, take a few creative liberties here and there or make something that was not entirely possible back in the day. They, I was reading a dev blog where they were explaining how they actually, they did it in the style of like the freeware La Mulana, where they researched mm -hmm. into the limitations of the console that they're um, nostalging over, which in this case is the NES and La Mulana, mm -hmm. it was the MSX, and they actually built it around artificially imposing those limits on themselves like uh, right. they had to limit the amount of colors they could use the resolution the amount of text in the game you couldn't put a whole entire book's worth of text on a NES cartridge so they had to um, get creative with the stuff the characters could say to mm -hmm. convey complex gameplay tutorials and mechanics with as little words as possible and um, you see a lot of glitches too that are actual NES glitches like uh, when enemies respawn after scrolling off the screen and yeah. scrolling back towards them. Like, that's yeah. that's weird seeing it happen in a game in 2014 that even still is like a pixel-arted side-scroller nostalgia game, which is a common genre. You don't see them stick as hard to but those it, limitations as they do in Shovel Knight. It kind of works, though. Uh, oh, because it works there's so, so well. Many, the, the, there's so many uh, secret secrets that you can, you know open up or you know sometimes you see like a little pixel that's kind of out of place a little patch of pixels and that's and your you clue hit it and then you open it up and and when you kill certain enemies you kind of miss your chance to get into the secret area because you can use them to get jump boosts yes exactly so and they, and <laughs> pixel hunting isn't even that big of a deal because there are only like 640 lines to go over it I, I don't know like it it works in this case really well you got 
you got former WayForward devs working on it, and that WayForward quality is, like, there. <laughs> Not to mention, uh, also WayForward, uh, Vert, or Jake Kaufman, is, I don't know which, which people know him by more, but, uh, he did the music for a lot of WayForward games, like the, uh, Shantae games and such. Uh, the Adventure Time 3DS games. He did the music for Shovel Knight, and from what I've heard, it's one of his best soundtracks yet. It's pretty darn good, like, melodic-wise, but I actually... Oh, God, I feel really guilty about saying this now, because now I have to associate it with the name. <laughs> the music is actually my least favorite part of it so far. Oh, really? The reason being is that it sounds kind of like it was going more for Game Boy music than NES music. It's really, it's <laughs> high-pitched and kind of shrill. Like, it sounds fine when I have it on my speakers, but when uh -huh. I put my headphones on, I get I get a little a little wincy with uh, just how <laughs> high-pitched it gets sometimes. But that's yeah, just like actually, a little thing. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that, because um, the whole time you guys have been talking about Shovel Knight, a lot of the points you've been making have made me think of uh, 1001 Spikes, of course, because what else do I think about these days? <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of, like, I'm not sure more on the technical side, like, what Shovel Knight has, but I know that uh, 1001 Spikes also uses a uh, Famicom True color palette, and also, if I'm not, if I'm correct, uh, a Famicom True, uh, what is it, audio landscape, like, mm -hmm. amount of sounds that can be, you know, playing at the same time, uh, and there, there is a lot of those, those shrill, like, notes that some of the songs hit, too, where, like, wearing headphones and, like, like, eh. Yeah, and, like, and it's not like that was intended to be listened to on headphones. Like, it was intended right. to be heard through, like, crappy TV, old TV speakers. Yeah. And I guess I guess it is a NES thing. I said it sounded like Game Boy music, because even then, like, if you try to listen to Game Boy music on headphones, it, it'll it drive you nuts. Yeah. Well, sometimes. Like, of course, it depends on the game, but... I'm actually, I'm actually very curious, then, um, if, with the limitations that Shovel Knight uh, imposed on itself... Did they also impose a memory limitation to where there's only, like, as much game as there could be on, like, an actual NES cartridge? I don't know. There are save slots, and that's a thing I, you didn't see in old NES games, is a very liberal a, saving going on. Yeah, right, like aside from, like, slots. Legend of Zelda. Yeah, yeah like, and, and it's interesting how they have stuck to these limitations in some respects regarding level design and, and text and art, but not, like... Really super convenient accessibility features like being able to save your game. That, that makes me think about uh, did you get an error, George, when you first logged in saying that you couldn't yeah. save to Steam? Yeah, you could only Steam save, Cloud. save on your local drive. Right, and I, I thought that was actually, I had um, it unlocked before release because of a review copy, but it's still there, so I'm wondering what's up with that. I, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if that's a limitation, I wonder if you can't do it. Do you think that's just a hint not to rely on the internet while playing? <laughs> Probably, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it seems pretty big, uh, I think there's what, eight knights to defeat, and it has like a big uh, Super Mario 3 overlord. Mm -hmm. Oh, overworld. it is, oh, over, yeah, it is Mario because um, random enemy encounters will spawn on the map and they'll like slide around the tiles on the overworld map. <laughs> yeah. It's it, beautiful. It makes that sound and then, oh my gosh. It's a lot of nostalgia going on. Like even in the towns, when you go into a village, um, when you try to talk to people, they give you like tutorials and secret areas and it's just like, yeah. oh, what is this? <laughs> and they do it in usually two text boxes or less. There was this moment, um, yeah, exactly. There was this moment where um, I, I think I was going to fight the Lich, and th there's a secret 
platform when you get to it and you see your I guess your outline on the stone if you press up it flips you to the other side and then you get to this that. chest and then all of a sudden this guy pops out of this chest he says hey um, you know uh, I have deals in the village and on the field wherever you go and he's like tries to sell you something that's in the chest like hold up I found the dang chest what are you doing I mean technically he found it first yeah so. he jumps right out of it so he's just been in that chest the whole I, I time I found him on another level but <clears throat> yeah that's another interesting thing there's uh, buyable power ups in the middle of stages there's a checkpoint system in the middle of the stage where you can destroy the checkpoints I don't know if you noticed this Matt you can destroy your checkpoints yeah, and for get- a currency bonus yeah, and the first time I did that, I found it out by accident, <laughs> which made the next few minutes really fun because I had to power through two checkpoints worth of progress without being able to die and get a revive in between the two. But that also makes me feel really good too because that's um that's great for replays. That gives you yeah. an incentive to handicap yourself after you get good and also get a little bonus on the side while you're at it. Yeah, definitely. It, it, also, when you die, <laughs> uh, it has like a little Dark Souls thing going on with it where bags mm, of money retrieval. float out. Yeah, you uh, suffer a goal. currency penalty and have to make a retrieval, just yeah. like in Dark Souls. So, okay, it, we actually ranted on about that longer than I was planning to. <laughs> yeah. But it felt worthwhile because Shovel Knight, really, really good game. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I've literally only heard good things about Shovel Knight. I have not I'm heard definitely a going bad to pick it up yet. as soon as possible. Except for my very minor issue with the music about it not sounding as good through headphones as it does through speakers. That is literally mm-hmm. the only imperfection I have thus far discovered for Shovel right. Knight. <laughs> Um, but before we actually talk about news and stuff, I want to do a brief shout out to Summer Games Done Quick. Oh Hell yeah. yeah, this is this is nostalgic too because um, they're doing they're doing old games because that's how long it takes to get good at a game. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, quick quick shout outs to the crew behind Summer Games Done Quick. Basically, what this is is a Twitch stream where people play through games super fast to uh, raise money for a good cause, Doctors Without Borders. And after watching it a couple hours over the past few nights, I <laughs> I feel like I've seen some shit. All right, <laughs> I've seen some shit. Yeah, the best ones are the are the games that you think you know. Oh, and you then, don't know uh, them. And then the, <laughs> you the guy running is just like, uh, yeah, so normally you'd have to go through this level like this, this, and this. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember doing that. And then he's like, uh, but I'm just going to skip it all and just like walks through a wall. And you're like, what? What? Yeah. What? It's so good. I, I saw, love, love speed runs. I saw a man skip through entire levels of Guacamelee without leaving the pause screen. <laughs> I, I saw someone hop on a procedurally generated rock in Halo 1. I did not know Halo 1 had procedurally generated terrain, but apparently oh, yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting little details that uh, that people don't yeah. discover for the longest time. Actually, it's funny, uh, I guess this is more around AGDQ, which was a, a few months back. Awesome Somebody games. discovered a like major, major route-changing glitch for Majora's Mask, which oh, is man, a game I that's wish 14 that years one. old, mm-hmm. and it, it was just like it's incredible. Like it's it cut minutes off of the already like hour and 30 minute speedrun world record, and like this is 14 years into them playing the game and like learning its <laughs> secrets and stuff. They're still finding more secrets, and it's like I don't know. I've always found that really cool. I watched the Half Life 2 speedrun when they were doing Awesome Games Done Quick last time, and. Uh-huh. 
I apparently in Half-Life 2, your character moves much faster when you run backwards at a diagonal <laughs> angle. Yes. So this guy ran backwards at a diagonal angle through most of, if not the entirety of Half-Life 2 <laughs> in like 28 minutes. Yeah, that that's one of the ones. And then there's uh, another like Valve glitch that happens on in a couple other games. Is Have you ever seen back hopping in Portal? I, I have not, no. but I'm gearing myself up to because on Saturday afternoon, they're going to do their valve block. Yeah, backhopping in Portal is essentially you jump forward, turn around, and in Portal, your backward uh, run speed is not capped in any way. So you crouch in the air while you're spinning around, and then you hop as you hit the ground, and you keep hopping on a rhythm, and it gets faster and faster, and you essentially only gain momentum until you run into something. I cannot think about that picture without my mind, like, superimposing bad dubstep in the background. <laughs> it, it's super, it's super hard to do, first of all. I've tried speedrunning Portal. It's super hard, but I don't know. It's a really funny glitch, and it, like, looks really cool when they get it right, so, yeah, I'm actually gonna be tuning in for the Valve block. That's gonna be pretty cool. I wanna see the po the Portal 2 speedrun. They're not going to be playing through the single-player mode. They're going to be playing through the co-op mode, and it's gonna be one guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see that one. I haven't seen like, that run yet. Is he gonna be using two mice and keyboards Jesus or is he gonna be like i i don't know like it's gonna be one guy doing <laughs> a speed run of a co-op two-player game that requires precision aiming and timing from both players for a few yep. of those puzzles yeah i i've got to see that one saturday 4 p.m eastern 1 p.m pacific <laughs> oh yeah if you guys want to check out uh SGDQ. You can either find them on Twitch. They're going to be on the front page as long as they're streaming. Also, go to gamesdonequick.com and you can also find the donation links and stuff up there. Definitely donate. It's All the money is going to Doctors Without Borders, which is like a super, super good cause. Um, yeah, definitely. Anyway. If, if you want to see someone play Portal 2 by himself on a co-op mode, <laughs> awesomegamesdonequick.com Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Yes. Or games done quick. Just, yeah, just, just games just, done just quick. Just games done quick. Just games. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> it's time, way, way past time, to get into yeah. the news this week. <laughs> uh, this week's theme is dire, desperate, foreign, and exotic. It's a Euro crisis. Oh, dun, no. Dun. Basically, lots of crazy <laughs> shit is going down in European game developers this week for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why the fates aligned and decided that... Uh, that this part of the world would get the shaft this time. But for some uh -huh. reason, I, it, it is between um, Crytek and Ariel Stalker, former GSC devs, and Wii U, Nintendo losing a court case battle. Uh, all of all of the big news happened to be stupid ha stuff happening in Europe. <laughs> um, our first story is that uh, Kotaku sources say that Crytek is not paying staff on time and that they have canceled their sequel to Rise Son of Rome. And while I was actually um, reading over that one, a new one dropped in from Develop Magazine, who had sources mm -hmm. at Crytek confirming the same thing. That basically, it, it hasn't been confirmed. Like, these are anonymous sources, but it's right. two different publications have had their different sources claim the same thing. Like, there is definitely something horrible going on at Crytek right now. They're uh, paying their employees 700 euros a month, which oh, which wow. isn't a lot for it's what I assume much. is a full-time job making um, software. And uh, they've been saying that they're going to 
give them their full wages after they make a new deal with uh, their banking organization and they're making those promises back in February <clears throat> February <laughs> and since then people have just been left because they're like I don't want to put up with this shit you guys aren't paying me they've been canceling projects some stuff in prototyping stage some stuff past that they um canned the sequel to Rise Son of Rome which was not critically or commercially successful mm-hmm. and meanwhile they're also having to develop a big expensive AAA single player cinematic home front game Hooray. like they bought the home front franchise when THQ um, auctioned it off remember that uh-huh. that was that was yeah. bad news and bad that news was a sad day. yeah it's like a god damn the home front name is cursed um <laughs> anyways I feel like I should be sad about this but at the same time like I can't necessarily not cross my arms and say you guys had it coming like <laughs> uh, I really liked Crytek for a little while back in the early to mid 2000s uh i guess up until um the wind up to uh crisis warhead Mm -hmm. because you could see them go down the dark path when crisis one was halfway through really matt i know you've played that game yeah 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 i've 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 played a few of these games uh i every time i think about uh (laughs) develop developers going downhill like this it, it makes me think of game dev tycoon is, is, is that is that bad <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, making the I don't wrong know if mistake. it's like a I'm super like, accurate um representation of it but i actually feel like i kind of sort of learned a little bit about how game development works from from playing those games and uh because if you make a couple bad games you know it's all downhill it's from all there downhill from there <laughs> But they didn't make bad games for... Well, they made one and one half really good games. They made one and one half of some of the best first-person shooters on the PC. And it's Far Cry 1, and then just the first half of Crisis 1. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I cannot help but laugh my ass off that, um... The differences between the first half of Crisis and the second half of Crisis are night and day. (laughs) So, like it is. so tell me, because like I, I remember, I remember playing this game because Crisis was basically the benchmark back in the days. I was, mm-hmm. I was a, P, I've always been a PC enthusiast, but back then I didn't really have cash. <laughs> I didn't really have any type it of money to buy, it. and I always like, man, I want to play Crisis so bad. I want to play Crisis. I remember the days of trying to run it on my crappy PC. Trying it's to really get it to funny. Work. Like Crisis and the year Crisis was released in, kind of. I don't know if it's just nostalgia and the the point in my life I was at then and then I'm now. It it just feels like that game marked the beginning of the end. The 51% mark of that game. Like it was a benchmark for graphics that um kind of marked the beginning of where graphics plateaued for years upon years upon years. Like it took up until I, I would say Battlefield 3 for a game to commercially come out and actually compete with graphics in terms of or compete with crisis in terms of fidelity yeah. like yeah. my whole life game graphics have been accelerating at an incredible rate up until crisis came out and then they <laughs> slowed down afterwards and that's been like seven years ago like that's a significant portion of my life that I am still not used to and um like the gameplay it wasn't just a benchmark of graphics but there was some really really cool gameplay going in and crisis where they had these wide open battlefield style open world levels it was kind of like um hitman as envisioned 
through a really super expensive cinematic single-player FPS, like incredibly open-ended. You basically manually configured combat encounters to how you felt comfortable to play. You could do some very impressive and creative things with the with the systems they were giving you, and um, stealth the 50, and use yeah. you know, uh, maximum strength to take a, a barrel and shove it into there, someone's face. There were non-lethal options, like they gave you a tranquilizer gun and a stealth mode. You could ghost your way through these levels if you wanted to. It was really hard to do, but you could do it. And then, and then you get halfway through it. <laughs> <laughs> and there is one mission where it's literally following invisible waypoints through corridors of a spaceship. And then you get out of that spaceship and it's following someone's backside to invisible waypoints. And then you finish following those waypoints and you end up on an aircraft carrier and you literally... It's like going 10 years back to Quake 2 <laughs> after, after enjoying this incredibly open-ended outdoor next-gen benchmark of a game crisis just uh, dropped the ball once it was halfway done. <laughs> and they spent a lot of money on it, and no one bought it because they invested so much in it. Like, it was, um... It did not sell well, even though it had a really great first half. Um... Because the specs were too high. Like, people's computers were not able to play Crisis at an affordable rate up until, like, a year and a half after Crisis came out. Like, this yeah. company has just been dedicating themselves to almost suicidal-sounding business plans that at least made two really cool products. But ever since then, they've been um, trying to uh, optimize Crisis for consoles and make more money there. It's not like they're wrong. They have been. Yeah. But they kind of also lost a lot of a lot of the features that made the first half of the first game so memorable. Um, and they leave it up to the yeah, modders, only, really. Well, not only that, uh, they've also been turning a lot of their focus towards uh, free-to-plays, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, which also sounds really weird coming from a, um, like, boutique German developer focused on really high-tech, really core uh, shooters. They, um... Yeah. They made Warface, which they only seriously pushed for in Russia, like one of the most volatile game markets around. Right. And um, they made a this incredibly weird G-Face social hub software for it that that absolutely flopped. And um, then there's there's Rise, Son of Rome. I don't know if you guys have played that. I very very briefly played a bit of it on an Xbox One at a uh, GDC, but it it wasn't. There, it was QTE combat and um, very linear, very linear, heavily scripted first-person shooter scenarios played from a third-person God of War control. It was weird. How did it I don't look? Know, I by remember, the way, on the Xbox, Why? it looks good, but, but graphics that can only, only take so you far. so far. You yeah. know, yeah, like Crisis. The first half of Crisis One is a game that looks really good and also plays really good. The second half of Crisis One is a game that looks really good and does not play really good. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't hear much about Rise. Uh, I remember seeing something about it at E3 last year. Uh, I'm sure they had it like in their their press stuff. Yeah, it was, I remember it seeing was like one of the big reveal games. One of the yeah, that's next right, that's gen. Right, that's next gen is finally here games. And uh, I like at the time I had just assumed that I was like the guy who didn't know about it. So I was like, oh, whatever. It'll probably be good. I'm sure a lot of people are going to buy that. But I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Is well, it me or is Nintendo the only people that really put out launch titles and 
I mean, I can't really say that because Nintendo, usually it's first party titles like Mario and all that. And that stuff is always decently good. But like, every, yeah. it, it seems like, you remember Perfect Dark for, you know. X- Perfect Dark is one of my favorite FPSs of all time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I love that game, and I think that's partially because I um, played it more on emulator than uh, than on the actual N sixty four. So I got to use a different controller. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. I, I don't know. I mean, I know what you're saying. Like Nintendo often like leads up their new stuff with like a good strong lineup. The only time I'd say that that's not true is with both the 3DS and the Wii U kind of didn't start strong. Ooh. And now they're like, now the Oof. 3DS is like kicking and the, yeah. the Wii U's on its way. But I had to like, wait to get my 3DS, man. I well, And then I went crazy. I got linked to the, linked to the, oh, oh my gosh. So keep in mind that you're experiencing worlds, that as it so happens. Good. Yeah. Yeah, like you're experiencing it as it happens. So of course it looks worse now, but like every right. console I mean, library starts off small and, and grows later on. And also Yeah, I I mean there's a difference between small and like completely like bad though. Cause like it's no CDI. Right. <laughs> PS3 had Uncharted, which was a really good game. So I guess you know, PS3 uh, yeah, had a true, decent I mean that's that's not a lineup really, that's just one game, so you know what other game you shoot people in in an outdoor environment full of ruins overgrown by vegetation? Stop your segue right now. <laughs> do, do, do you want to guess? Game? Stalker! Oh, I oh, didn't yeah. even... Oh, is that game that looks like Fallout? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, before we had Fallout 3, we had Stalker, and uh, we were happy. Um... <laughs> a, a new Kickstarter project called Ariel has popped up on the internets, uh, claiming to have been developed by former Stalker developers. And mm-hmm. uh, since then, a shitstorm of internet drama has revealed that that is probably not true. Great. Um, uh, yeah, okay. So... Uh, the studio that made Stalker went out of business. It was GSC Game World, and because of like horribly corrupt, volatile Eastern Market European drama, the okay. CEO turned out to be a complete scumbag and um, basically shut the whole uh, project down after he was able to find himself in a position where he could take the money and run. So then they formed a new studio called Vostok Games and are making a game called Survivarium. And uh-huh. Ariel kind of came out of nowhere on Kickstarter featuring footage from Stalker saying that from the mines that brought you stalker which could technically be true because they had like 200 people working on stalker back in the day so um and they can't keep track of them all right so even though the core team might not be there like the interns might which would make that misleading (laughs) advertising but still accurate information nonetheless however since then um all of the concept art and videos that they've been showing off ariel with in the kickstarter video kickstarter video have been shown to be unoriginal great they show these game devs working on a map available at the Uni- Unity Asset Store. They oh. cut to concept art ripped from from obscure Eastern European books that they hoped no one would be able to dig up. And mm. uh, Vostok Games themselves have issued a claim saying that them using Stalker assets in their Kickstarter without permission is not only illegal but also immoral and since then the developer of ariel has said that they got in touch with vostok games who made no claim to that but the claim was made through a third-party journalist and so uh, uh, like this this is one of the shadiest kickstarters that um 
that I feel like I've seen in a while. And yeah, it's funny that that this stuff is happening more and more these days. I would I would say it was bound to happen eventually, but now um. I guess we're getting to a point where where really shady Eastern European scammers have an outlet to make their scam with, and the the Kickstarter honeymoon is officially over. I guess. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like Kickstarter honeymoon has been over for a while. Oh yeah. And I feel like the popularity of Kickstarters has died down, so it's not like everybody is always kickstarting their game all the time forever. But yeah. I, I think now that that like the fun fresh new everyone's doing it thing has died out like i guess we're bound to get this like scum kind of kickstarters brendan brenda romero was not able to fund a spiritual successor to wizardry i Mm -hmm. I guess that was kind of the writing on the wall that all of um that that early fast burning rush towards kickstarter projects with big name uh western developers from the 90s like chris avalon and brian fargo doing wasteland and pillars of eternity right i I don't know if that's going to be able to happen again which makes me kind of sad because you know it's been years since um since those days but that's okay because games take years to make and we didn't know about that before because we weren't as involved in it (laughs) i mean just look at shovel knight how, like, how long has Shovel Knight been in? Uh, I don't remember it here. Let, let me do a quick look. Because I remember up. seeing videos of um, a PAX demo that looked fairly complete from like last year. Like even a thing yeah. like Shovel Knight can take years to put Ingram's out. Ingram's also played it as well. The first mm-hmm. level. Like yeah, it's... that was last year. Um, but yeah, there, Ariel is also asking for $50,000. A lot of uh, how does... actually reputable, verifiable game developers have said that $50,000 is not a realistic amount for what they're trying to make. Um, it, it, I mean, yeah, actually, if looking at the Shovel Knight Kickstarter right here in front of me, uh, the estimated delivery for all of the pledges was September of 2013. Hmm, so and they're off the actual, just under actual over a release year. seems to be June 2014. Yeah. And, uh, and you're right. It was over a year ago that Game Grumps played it because Game Grumps played it when it was John and Aaron. And I just recently, they did the one-year anniversary video of... Uh, of Danny Sexbang and uh, and uh, Rubber Ross joining Has the show. Has it really been a and, year? Yeah, it's yeah, already man, been a year for flies. them being on the show. So, so wait, have Danny and Ross outlasted JonTron? Uh, I think uh, I think John and Aaron went for a year before John left, if I recall correctly. So in a little while, they will have outlasted. Well, that's 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 interesting. It, I don't know. It, I just sort of using that for like general context like we're talking about a kickstarter game yeah, we're talking yeah. about kickstarter games and like development time and like shovel knight like i remember it like it was yesterday when everyone was like oh back shovel knight back shovel knight but like it's been over a year since and, people and like shovel, back knight shovel knight doesn't look like stalker you guys the presentation was terrible like nothing was it, it, it seemed like usually they'll show some alpha or you'll, you'll, you you could get real personal with the camera and the developers right there talking to you. But it just showed mm-hmm. like shots and some very, very old gameplay footage. And this is this is the stalker or the uh, aerial. aerial one yeah. About, right? And $50,000. Okay. And he, he mentioned in the video, I'm, we're going to have it for PC. I would like to have it for Xbox One. PS PlayStation 4 and even the Wii U and I'm like what up $50,000 hold up licensing fees um, development costs for an open and world game like this yeah 
also, doesn't line up even just, remotely. Just paying for cost mm. of living for like seven guys to work on a thing for three years is generally more than fifty thousand. Um, yeah, it depends on how much ramen you buy. <laughs> yeah, and I absolutely. guess I, I don't know. Like some of, of those ramen, these, man. Put a little bit some of sauce. these. <laughs> Some of these Eastern European developers are able to crank out really impressive games on the cheap, like Stalker is one of them, The Witcher is another, and uh, and uh, that that those were actually games that were completed by actual game developers, not like yeah. Ariel. Um, I'm wondering who are the people in the video? Like he shows something that looks kind of like a studio, like just a bunch of computers <laughs> lying on a table with people sitting around. Like, did he get his friends together and say, "All thinking. right, guys, if this works, I'm splitting up fifty thousand <laughs> exactly. with you." Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he and he just pulls up a video of the of the Unity, of the Unity map. Yeah, like that's, that's yeah. insane. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you can oh. buy that map for like fifty, twenty. I don't know. I didn't actually look at the it's, price. It's but eighty-five it could bucks be for the map. Eighty-five bucks, and you can make a Kickstarter scam. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I don't understand uh, I mean, how would people. I mean, not, not to say why would you pledge to it, but I in the video like I how can usually you not see the signs? You, you, you're gonna put money to a project, uh, especially a lot of money, because. Yeah, um, you kind of want to check it out, and it, the presentation has to be solid, really. First yeah. off, and then and, I'll know, go I into he's you more, know, uh, doing some research on this company that I've never heard anything about. You know, I think they're more than uh, halfway there. Yeah, thirty-one thousand dollars of oh my god, who is doing this? Yes, like this is a very well publicized. <laughs> shady thing like I don't want to call it a scam right now until shit gets even more worse but um like this has been at the top of reddit for three days now about how not legit this kickstarter is and they're already past their halfway point hey guys you know what is also depressing oh god here we go <laughs> patent laws <laughs> copyright laws man that's about as depressing as shady kickstarters right I just, I just want to stop you right there you segued out of that so seamlessly into your next thing that i didn't even get a chance to make the joke that Shaq is the one backing this kickstarter <laughs> maybe Shaq is the only guy who's on kickstarter now now that the honeymoon is over no. Shaq is the only guy that still is on kickstarter he's the only guy donating to any projects right now He's the only account. You, you just got, got me thinking about Charles Barkley, that, that mm. RPG that two best friends played. Charles Barkley, <laughs> shut up and jam Gaiden. No, I think it's um, Tale of Tales presents Chef Boyardee's Charles Barkley, shut up and jam Gaiden, part one of the Hoop Saga. Whoa. Wow. Great game. You should play it, guys. Um, anyways, <laughs> Nintendo has lost a patent lawsuit in the UK, which is still Europe, um, over Philips patents about remote control user interfaces. Uh, the patents that the court ruled they had infringed upon were for a user interface system based on a pointing device, a device that has a computer system with both a camera and a physical motion sensor, a device mm. which is used for hand gesture commands to a fixed unit with gesture analysis based on motion trajectory of the device and apparently the Wii qualifies for that I was reading over this and I was thinking I guess the weak link in that argument would be that the Wii doesn't have a camera but yeah. um as it turns out Wii peripherals do which oh. <laughs> yeah which is enough which is enough to count as uh, as copyright infringement and they lost like according to UK courts they were they did indeed infringe upon existing Philips patents and I guess that now means that they have to settle with Philips to uh, keep selling their Wii's which is really funny like those two guys have an interesting history with one another but uh oh, you, yeah. know, you, you know what else is funny is how how like 
uh, what what's the how conveniently timed this is just after the release of Mario Kart 8 where where the UK sales of the Wii U went up by 666%. It was an omen. We should have known. <laughs> I mean, it's such like a, it's like a, oh, the Wii's are selling. Let's see what we can, uh, see what we can get off of the money that Nintendo's making now. Yeah, because, because they started the lawsuit in 2012. It's, it's been going through the red tape for two years now. And that was even then years upon years after the Wii came out. Like they, yeah. they, took their sweet time to wait to see Nintendo have a really successful console right. before deciding, hey, we have these old patents filed away in some dusty filing cabinet that we were never using. I wonder right. if they if if their thing resembles one of them. Yeah. And that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it 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 I I guess it is. Like this happened before. Like apparently Nintendo losing patent lawsuits because of the Wii is a thing. Cuz in the USA, I don't know if you guys remember um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to look up a time frame right now, but this has happened before in the USA where an uh, inventor um, sued them for copywriting and copyright infringement on one of their patents and won mm-hmm. and got a 15 million dollar reward. This was wow. in 2013. Wow. Yeah, this was just last year. Um, wow, yeah, and it kind of makes me think like this super successful company. Well, it was super successful for the Wii, not so much for the Wii U. Made a lot of money off of a pre-existing idea that these inventors couldn't follow through with. Like, the devil's advocate part of my shoulder wants to be like, is it really a bad thing that the inventor then gets $15 million from (laughs) his idea looking an awful lot like Nintendo's idea, assuming that Nintendo did indeed come up with it originally? Assuming that they didn't. Like, is it a consolation prize for coming up with and... Well, no, how, it's not. It's patent trolling. Uh. How does the patent thing actually work? It, is does he just write it down? Like, oh, I want to make a uh, 3D without glasses, but he has like no research or anything done. Like, you, you, you actually have to have the technology, right? Or he can just I, say, I, I don't know. It's a little bit weird I, that you can just like say a couple words, like, oh, I want to do there's some 3d without glasses i'm gonna sue nintendo or anyone who comes out with the actual research for it there's some really strange ideas in the in the that are patented like you can read cracked articles about them there's Mm. one that's a machine that kicks your own ass like it's a boot on a stick that spins around a wheel that you press and it (laughs) kicks you in the butt um but i'm guessing it it would be really stupid to allow people to patent stuff that might not be feasible based on non-existing technology. Like, at the least. I'm sure there's lots of things wrong with um, patent law that I don't know about. Yeah. But it seems a bit, uh, a bit lenient that someone can come up with an idea and not do anything with it and then end up making a whole bunch of money that someone else made with a similar idea. But at the same time, is that... That is that how it's supposed to work? <laughs> like, is that the idea of patent law being as as lenient as it is? I I don't I don't really know. I mean, to like at a distance from what I know of this story, it seems kind of <laughs> we are BS. not lawyers. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not. And, and so I don't know if we should even <laughs> be talking about this at length. But I don't know. I, I like it seems to me like Phillips is just milking Nintendo for some extra money and they had their shit together and so they know exactly what like 
how to like work this, but I could be completely wrong. It could be it could be completely Nintendo's fault. I don't know. I don't, I'm I'm inclined to be on Nintendo's side though. Yeah, so. of of course. And even then, like, part of me wants to be like, is it really so bad that even if Nintendo looked through these patents and picked an idea that they liked and made it reality, and then this guy got fifteen million dollars for it, is that so bad? Like I said, that's just the devil's advocate side of me. Note these opinions do not officially uh, represent the non-devil's advocate side of George Weedman. <laughs> Anyways, <Great>. um, <laughs> these opinions are brought to you by these messages. Discovering the secret of my past will be nearly impossible. I'll take those odds. Meet Shadow the Hedgehog. His mysterious past holds the key to the world's future. Is he a hero or a villain? You decide. Either way, you'll have a blast. Rated E10 for ages 10 and up. Hey guys, what's up? This is Gerard Khalil, the completionist, a.k.a. That One Video Gamer, a.k.a. The name of the podcast that you guys are listening to. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much for supporting that one video gamer. We officially hit 100 episodes as of today, and it is crazy. In two and a half years, I never thought I'd get this far building out one of the coolest brands uh, that is truly my own. And in honor of doing that, uh, the Yeti and I have partnered again to bring you guys three brand new items, which I'm so excited for. The first one is the Completionist Sigil t-shirt for $17. It's a, uh, like a shield alien shield that has like the four things of the completionist. So beards, bears, controllers, and, and trophies. Uh, the second one is the completionist 100th special Nintendo entertainment system cartridge. Uh, this is very limited edition, uh, because these ones will go away. They will be turned into a regular t-shirt eventually, but they won't say 100th episode. So it is very special. And the last item, which is my absolute favorite, is the Completionist poster. It is 100 games that I've reviewed for the show with all of the ratings. And you have the ability to post your own Completionist rating and mark off which ones you've completed yourself. And what's even more rad, if you buy both the t-shirts and the poster uh, in the combo pack, on the website you'll actually get a gold edition of the poster limited print and it has uh, in dead center a very cool gold uh, that one video gamer fist logo so that's a very limited edition it's very cool uh, please you know if you guys uh, want to support I'd say that's the best way to do it pick up those shirts and the poster uh, once again thank you very much thank you to Alex and Jimmy and to Greg and to everyone on the site I think it's it's really cool so uh once again, that website is the Yeti. You can go to theyeti.com slash that one video gamer. Again, that's theyeti.com slash that one video gamer. Now, if you excuse me, guys, I am going to go on a very long, well de- deserved, dessert deserved vacation. Take it easy and thanks again. Welcome back to the TOVG Podcast. My name is George Weedman, and uh, now we get to talk about news that actually has people excited. Platinum Games, is, Platinum Games is developing a Legend of Korra game, and, and Matt, what was your reaction? <clears throat> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to hold it back now. 
I'm trying to hold it back. Hold I'm, it I'm back. a big fan of the Avatar series, you know. Um, well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so this news really confused me. Um, the the movie was good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the Legend of Korra, say what you will, like, it, it's the animation is very... Very good. So when I heard Platinum Games, uh, well, when I say animation, I mean like the fighting. It's very slinky. It has that feel of uh, the Naruto scene um, when right. Sasuke fights Naruto. I don't know if any of you guys. Oh my god, I, I don't yeah, know. Well, it has that slinky feel, I, and it, it feels real. I know nice. what you're talking about. You know, you know how Bayonetta and you know uh, Platinum Games is this, the same people who made Bayonetta. For people who don't know, Bayonetta, uh, uh, Metal Gear, Vengeance, Revenge, Vengeance. Revengeance. Um, you know, Mad World. It, action-packed game. So, my Hack first slash. thought was, man, I would love to see the way they do this. Now, th- this is going to be taking place in uh, between seasons two and three, and it's coming out this fall. So, hopefully, they've been working on it for a while now. I, I would hope. I would really hope. I w- it's Platinum Games, right? They don't make bad games, right? I, I right? Anarchy Reigns is their least critically acclaimed one so far, but I have not played it. Therefore, I have not played a platinum game that wasn't excellent. Okay, okay, because because I have high hopes because I would love and to I'm see this. I was talking with a friend of mine about this very same game last night. Shoutouts to Golden Joel. I love you, man. Um, <laughs> where. He showed me a clip of it because he knows what Korra is and I don't and everyone else knows what Korra is and I don't and it looked uh, he showed me a fight scene on YouTube that was about two minutes long it looked like a video game like it looked like a doable adaptation like it was martial arts characters flipping around a wide open environment doing magical mystical ninja moves at each other I didn't know what the hell was going on but it looked like a video game so this might not be that far fetched I'm just wondering how did they pick Platinum Games and uh, it, is it really Bayonetta? <laughs> yeah, well, I know, but I I, I grew up with really bad adaptation <laughs> yes. games, right? Like I, I assume we did, yes. right? And now yep. I guess those of us who are our age might have gotten lucky and been able to get a creative position of some kind of control at Nickelodeon and say, "Hey, let's make a good adaptation game for once. Let's get Platinum Games to do it." Because how <laughs> else do you get Platinum Games to do an adaptation game unless you precede that statement by saying, "Let's make a good one for once." Yeah. <laughs> like who at Nickelodeon knows about Platinum Games because they also don't sell well. They they're, they're kind of cursed like that. So um not many you don't really know about Platinum Games unless you're already into games. And um, are also kind of aware of their qualities. So, how and why did they manage to get Platinum on board? And how is that going? I'm worried about creative control because it is an adaptation, and it is an adaptation of like what, what I guess is a kids' show. I don't know. Are, are Korra fans going to get really defensive and angry about me for making that assumption? I'm not a Korra fan, and I'm angry about that. Matt, are you angry? Oh. <laughs> angry? <laughs> well, so yeah, they're they're adapting a prop a franchise, right? Yes. And uh, <laughs> Platinum has a very distinct style. Like, you can look at a Platinum game and kind of see 
that it's a platinum game. Like everyone will be really top heavy. They'll do um, Power Rangers poses in the middle of cutscenes, and uh, like the way they're animated, everything's extremely over the top, and there's a lot of a lot of spectacle and large scale action going on. So I I'm I, I still think that would that that would work with especially the way the animation is done it's very over exaggerated so the the impact of the the punches and the kicks and everything feel a lot more i don't know heavy i guess you can say in the show i i, I if they if they don't just do a basic a very basic fighting game um which they haven't right they haven't so i i have i don't think they've done like a one-on-one fighting game i'm being optimistic here I don't want them to balls this up because this would suck if, you know, we already have a, a terrible movie. Like, everything that's outside of the show just kind of sucks, you know? Mm. And I, 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 I don't want it to go downhill. <laughs> Season one was already a little bit of a letdown. So it's just like, please, please don't don't, don't do this well, to my game. Like, like I said, Platinum's a good bet. And it weirds me out, actually, seeing Platinum work on a project like this, because we are all fairly used to movie and television show tie-in games not being fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a true statement. There have been been very few movie tie-in games that I actually, like, did enjoy or didn't hate more specifically. But they're the minority. I, yeah, they're the, ex- they the exception, the not the rule. I used to torture myself when I used to work at GameStop. I would take, because you could take a game home if you want at the end of the day. And I would torture myself with a lot of these movie games. And yeah. it, it's, they're bad. They're bad. I, they don't get a, it's like they don't get enough time to complete it. So they just like toss this up together and just kind of. Like, arguably, the only one that I ever, like, oh, yeah, was... It's, it's even, like, vague to call it an actual movie tie-in, but it was uh, Spider-Man 2 on GameCube. Mm, yeah, um, Spider-Man like, 2 yeah. had a great tie-in game. Yeah, like, it, it's kind of, like, universally regarded as, as, like, a really, really good game that kind of, like... I don't know, kind of like a sleeper hit, I suppose you would call it, but... Like, there was a whole bunch of stuff in that game that was not the movie. There was, like, all these villains and stuff that Rhino happened, in the beginning. That, like... Yeah, Rhino and Mysterio and all kinds of, like, crazy stuff happening. But, it, like, I don't know. I liked the game, but at the same time, none of the movie tie-in parts were what I liked. I liked the free roam and, like, the saving people and stuff, which wasn't part of the movie at all. It was just, like, a fun, like, I'm Spider-Man. I get to go around and do stuff. I, I, and it just so happened to be a movie tie-in game. I, I think around around that time is when I noticed I shouldn't buy movie games because I, I played Spider-Man 2 <laughs> for the PlayStation, and I was like... Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I was sitting on the couch with my stepbrother. And then we uh-huh. got the next Spider-Man and we're like, "Oh right. my god." Ah. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man 2. Yay. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Not yay. Yeah, not so yay. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, Activision's chief executive officer Eric Heisen Hirschberg agrees Heisenberg. with all of Heisenberg? us. Eric Heisenberg. <laughs> yes, in a story released by the Globe and Mail this week, um, they uh, 
put out a few quotes that they got out of him during an interview at E3 in which he said the audience for those games those games being movie tie-in games have really become a much tighter funnel of fanboys for that content and that wasn't the case just a few years ago when the contracts that we have with a lot of the movie companies now were written we do as good a job as we can creating a compelling experience for those fans but it's Mm -hmm. not the focus of where our development dollars or time and attention has gone um, so yeah, uh, movie tie-in games are bad, even the the evil companies that make them know that. <laughs> I, I don't see how anybody could, like, I don't see how any, like, adult person could not see a lot of those, like, really, and, really and just bad games. Maybe like, that's any the of the problem. Transformers games or anything, it's just like, Ooh. obviously this is just like a... This is like Peter Jackson's King Kong, the movie, the game. Come on. They hyped that up. They hyped the shit out of it, and it was really lame. You know, the only reason that I know that that game exists is because... It was hyped so much. No, it was one of the the two games on on Xbox 360 that I considered renting simply to get achievement points because they're so easy to get. Because like on on most 360 games like Halo, like you get like five points for some achievements, like 50 if you beat the game on the hardest mode. For games like King Kong the movie the game, it was you get 200 points for beating one of the five levels of the game. Like, oh, I guess I'll just beat this game real quick and then return it to Blockbuster back when that existed. That's really around... That's, yeah. that's around the time the Switch happened. Like, movie tie-in games weren't so hot this generation, and they were really hot the generation before, like in the yeah. PS2, Xbox days. In and the, I'm re- guessing, the renting games days. Yeah, the renting games days. It was a thing back then. That might be a reason why, but also because by now, people might have wisened up to it. Like, this guy says, the, an, <laughs> an executive at Activision says, the audience for those games has really become a much tighter funnel of fanboys. Right. Which means that the only people who are buying them are not general consumers anymore and that was um how they got out of it in previous gens is that they would uh market them to general consumers who wouldn't know better nowadays the general consumers are people who are really into video games who do know better because they spent their whole life playing bad movie tie-in games and now they grow up and know better and and is this Like, the whole uh, purpose of a movie tie-in game being bad is so that um, they can focus all of their money on the licensing rather than the development costs and just kind of lazily churn something out for on the cheap that still makes them a whole lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. And that strategy has totally kicked them in the ass now. Yeah. Like, you can make good movie tie-in games, but they have to... It takes a lot longer to do it than the movie itself, so right. they have to uh, be planned out way earlier. They mm-hmm. can't exactly limit themselves to what happens in the script of the movie, because movie scripts don't have really long sections of, of really over-the-top, ridiculous violence. <laughs> the Minority Report game is a hilarious example <laughs> of, the, of the disparities between the two. See, now you say that, but have you watched <laughs> World War Z? I have not... I've not I heard watched good it. Things. I watched it just last night. World and, War uh, Meh. <laughs> more like more like World Boar Z Z Z Z Z Z. No, seriously though, there was like a forty-five section. There was like a forty-five minute section where it was Brad Pitt running through Jerusalem with zombies just popping up literally everywhere. Like so, maybe a video game would be better than a movie. Like it practically was watching a level being played out from various like angles. Man, times have changed, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. The video games 
look like the movies, and the <laughs> movies, movies look like, look the, like video the video games. games. Oh god! And it's, and the movie video games don't sell as well anymore. It's funny because during that sequence, I literally that's one of the first times in forever that I found myself in the middle of a movie, in the middle of an action sequence, going, "I really want this to stop happening now. I, I would rather people be talking and like things be quiet for just a little bit." Mm. <laughs> Robocop might might do that for you as well. So go oh, ahead and go watch Robocop no, 2014. <laughs> I'm in no intention of seeing that movie. Amazing I didn't movie, absolutely. It was 100 percent bad. <laughs> I'm no it, interest. It, in it was it. it was better than I thought it would be. I'll oh, put it that oh, way. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, the actors were really, really good, right? Uh, what? He just mumbles the whole what, what, Robocop's oh, no. like. I, 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 I didn't think Alex, the guy who played Axe Murphy, was bad. Um, the thing is, they muffled him throughout the whole thing. He was just like and a was, pasty he a bald. He looked like he was made out of glue. <laughs> And and he just mumbled like like a piece of glue bubbling up behind his face. And I I, I can't, don't get me wrong. Like there are a few scenes I liked, like when they're taking him apart and he looks at himself yeah. in the mirror and he's just like a head with lungs and a heart attached. I thought that was a really neat idea, and it made me feel all queasy. I hate being reminded that that I'm made out of skeleton parts and internal organs. Like, and that that scene was really good at uh. It evoking that kind of body horror. Speaking of being reminded that you're made out of <laughs> skeletons and and bones and stuff, yes. on to the community segment. Yes, um, is that is that well, a that's your acceptable segue? <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just channeling my inner George Weedman. It's it's a roller coaster ride of Segway quality tonight on the TOVG <laughs> podcast. So I think last time we made a joke about making a thread about threads. Right. Someone actually went and did it. Yeah. <laughs> community community always delivers when you ask them to make just the things that we don't need. I I made a joke about making a thread about butts, and they're like, okay. And then yeah, I you made it. a joke about making a thread about threads, and they were like, why not? Yeah, just they just did it. Ultraforce says, where did the word thread start being used for a page on the internet focused on a single topic, as well as who was the first to make a thread? And where did they start calling threads threads? Well, my friend, you will be happy to know that I spent... God, what am I doing with my life? I spent oh, no. about a good hour on Wikipedia actually <laughs> no. trying... Oh. No, I did. I did. Because <laughs> how else am I going to address this topic, right? Okay. I mean, you have to. In, in computer terminology, threading is a term used for when a software executes some scheduled processes and mm. does it in an order, one after another. Like, back in the days of the Intel P4, like, multi-threading referred to how the process was, or how this processor was able to kind of multi-process some processes at the same time as it was processing. Basically, okay. um... Like, you know, when you're sewing, you, you stick a thread through one hole and then stick the thread through the next hole and do right. things in a kind of sequential order. Yes. So uh, when when Internet communications software started coming out, one of the uh, notable features of, of early message boards and email clients was conversation threading, a mm -hmm. feature where you were able to see one user's message right after another and have them visually grouped into messages so that uh -huh. much like in computing when you're when you're threading processes through a central right. processing unit you see a threaded process of messages following each other that all relate to a central schedule which is the the op interesting um, yes I'm, I'm actually 
like not not in a sarcastic way. That's actually very interesting. I I I'm pretty sure that no one knows who the first person to make a thread is because when you go back that far, the lines would probably blur. I don't know if you guys are uh, are familiar with how how BBSs worked in the super early internet days mm-hmm. because I'm not myself. It's before all of our times. But um, I'd actually like to know what message boards looked like before they looked this organized. It would be really interesting for me to see that. They probably looked like Reddit. Oh, <laughs> slam! Oh, oh snap! Son. Nah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't hate me, redditors. And <laughs> you don't have to worry about that problem. Just, uh, just don't get on 4chan's bad side. I mean. I'm not gonna go there. Just yeah, let's let's move on to other <laughs> Y'all Amangua wants to talk about let's plays. This is a comment that he left on last week's uh last week's podcast. I don't know if I should consider this inflammatory or not, because it's not really like a mean comment or anything, but it definitely expresses some uh some constructive criticism with the opinions uh brought yeah. up during during this podcast uh-huh. he says uh what about games like ace attorney where ace attorney where you can generally get the same experience by watching an lp the games are not secondary to the lp would any of them as popular as they are with pure would any of them be as popular as they are with pure commentary of course not lpers say content id is wrong because the company does not own 100 percent of the content but as it stands right now lpers are 100 percent of the revenue youtube needs to make it so the content id automatically shares the revenue between developer and lpr i mean if i can just make a few points yes, technically yes. the lpers don't get 100 percent of the revenue even or even close yep. to it youtube and google get a lot and of the that network. revenue for, yeah, and and also the network if the LPR is networked, which they have to be networked, or else and they're not, if Nintendo not be on. manages to make their system, you'd also be paying a Nintendo tax as well, basically doing the same thing that that y'all Amangua is talking about here, where you also share it with the developer. And, and uh, second second point, oh, okay. that's my yes, that's yes, my yes. second point. Uh, it's not that easy to just be like, well, let's just automatically let it share to the other person. Like, it's not a simple process to just be like, bam, that happens now. So I think that might be a reason why that is. Also, third point, uh, you can't really say that that you, you generally get the same experience watching an Ace Attorney game Let's Play than playing it, because those games are puzzle games, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Like putting clues together and figuring stuff out. While it may not be the hardest puzzle game in the world, and while you may be able to, I guess, it's, generally do the same things it's not as watching a Let's Player play. Puzzle. It's not like uh, Professor Layton. It, it's right. more you, you go to different spots, and I mean, I'm playing through the first one, and it, it's more of an interactive experience type of thing. Right, but I mean, like something like Gone Home, then. I mean, oh, not that yeah. interactive oh, experience. Don't get me. But. No, I, <laughs> I, I don't like to talk about Gone Home because I apparently have very controversial opinions about it that the internet does not agree with in that I think I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I mean, I think any any opinion that anybody has on Gone Home is a controversial opinion that the internet no matter doesn't agree what. with. Yeah. 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 Regardless. I feel um, you. I, I mean, I liked it myself, and I don't see how anybody can say it's not a game because I how would do you define a game. Oh, oh, but to watch an LP of Gone Home. Mm. It's not yeah, a game. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, a converse, that's a conversation for an entire <laughs> series of podcasts all on its own. I mean, but the, the thing about the publisher uh, taking money or, or the developer taking money away from YouTubers, it's like if Nintendo does it, 
for me, if I was playing a Nintendo game on my channel, I wouldn't j I wouldn't play Nintendo games because I yeah. don't really I already don't really receive a lot of money from YouTube. I mean, we're we're all YouTubers here. We don't we don't get yeah, really fair paychecks, and despite what people no, might think about YouTubers, you know, oh, they compare it to PewDiePie because he makes millions of dollars and he he doesn't even make that much. But still, yeah. It, it's it's weird. I, I there's plenty of other developers, the, I mean AAA studios that would be that would be like no, I they can have everything, and a lot of yeah, them have supported YouTube. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's like it's because that this whole YouTube game is the new frontier yeah. of media. It's because we don't have rules in place like. TV and movies have been around for a long ass time. Music has been around for a long ass time. And they're all they're like barely even kind of getting to like a like real area of yeah, the rules we, we don't for music. know what to do with music these days, yeah, like, like let alone like, video games. Right. And especially even the internet is super young. And so all that put together makes this like a very, very hard it, it's I don't know, it's such a gray area that is hard to define. I mean, I know what I believe is, yeah. is pretty... I, I think what I'm believing is correct. I mean, I'm sure most people think that what they believe is correct, but... It's generally how it the, works, the, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. popular you know, <laughs> argument is, you know, you're not going to see the YouTuber. I mean, you're not going to see the game, you're going to see the YouTuber, and that's where right. you would get the views. I mean, there's different cases for each YouTuber, but, I mean, yeah. I, I, I know everyone mentions PewDiePie a lot, but PewDiePie can play anything on his channel yeah. and get a million he, views easily. Of course. I, he scrapes yeah. the bottom of yeah, the barrel he, sometimes, uh, indeed. Like, he proves your point. Yeah, a, a pointless right. flash game. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, on, a, on a kid's website, like, that stuff, he will play and, and make yeah. millions and with it. And you just scream and talk about... Oh, let me not... But, okay, like, I think immersion <laughs> is a really big factor that people don't give enough credit to. Like, when they yeah. say that Gone Home doesn't have enough gameplay, like, you're still immersed in a 3D environment. Like, you're using freaking first-person shooter controls to play it. Like, I would not yeah. want to hear someone talking over Gone Home. I would want to take it at my own slow pace, discover things on my own, make my Most own definitely. decisions about where to go and what to, what to read as I go through this house. And that's something that you do not get with a Let's Play. It's not... Same deal with any other game that isn't like a super fast-paced reflex challenge like that, like adventure right. games. The, the the thing is, I, there's I, a reason why Let's Plays the first part always has more views than the second part and the third part and the fourth right. part is because people use that like, okay, let me see the first 20 minutes of the game to see if I might like this, and they might enjoy what they see and they go buy the game. Uh, and otherwise, I'm not I'm not saying. You know, there's different cases, but it, that might have pushed them to buy the game if that game didn't have adver advertising. You know, like mm -hmm. if there's a lot of games yeah, out there, a lot of indie games, it. a lot of smaller devs love YouTube. Yeah, they love it because they're not going to get it. They don't have money and, for and that. Bigger game developers have enough money to paint the side of Brooklyn skyscrapers with ads, so they've now got watch that. Watchdogs, come buy it. Mm -hmm. Come buy this game. Have you guys ever ever been to New York when they had um when Rockstar Games has their murals up? 
No. no. It's kind of creepy. Like walking I'm, down the street and it was John Marston at the time mm-hmm. when when I saw one with my own face just walking down the street seeing a giant John Marston on the side of a building looking down <laughs> at me. I was like, uh, feels a little, little Orwellian with your advertising here. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, I think um, we have more than run out of time at this point. I mean, it's it's kind of a tradition at this point. It's hard not to. There's so much <laughs> to say with such wonderful people. Um, thanks to all of you for listening, and thanks to these two wonderful people for uh, for providing. And remember that you can find us all on YouTube and our respective channels. I think everyone knows where me and Jimmy are by now. But Matt, mm-hmm. where can people find your stuff? YouTube.com slash Matt Visual. I do makeup yeah. tutorials with a gaming twist. Oh, God, really? Today, uh, this oh. week, I'm going to teach you how to look like Princess Peach. Uh, next week will be Baby Rosalina. <laughs> um, so, yeah, come check out my makeup tutorials. <laughs> Um, it's like completely not what he does. <laughs> I'm, I, but it. Well, I I don't. I I I, uh, I, 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 I do uh, <laughs> reviews. I do um, gaming content. Uh, it's, it's, I talk about games. I talk about a lot of Guild Wars too. Um, I'm kind of in that community. Um, He's kind of known as an MMO guy. Yeah, yeah. I play a lot of MMOs. MMO I, fan. I, I play a lot of everything. I don't even know how I have enough time to sleep Probably or eat. Probably the best Wildstar <laughs> review going around right now. Yeah, yeah I, I'm the only guy who reviewed Wildstar. It <laughs> feels, feels great. It feels great. Right, but I I play like two weeks of Wildstar and oh, locked up in my room. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's me, Matt Visual. And anyways, uh, like we just did with the community section, if you, as the listener, have anything to add or discuss with the topics that we've talked about today, feel free to make a thread, leave a comment. We uh, we talk about even the silly threads mm-hmm. and head over to the TOVG forums. We participate in them as well. Uh, rate us five stars on iTunes because we love you. And it helps us out a lot. Helps us out a lot. And uh, yeah, we want to see more rad content from the community so that we can talk about rad content from the community because that's always fun we and can call um, it rad communtent rad communtent mm. i mean we can work on the name but rad commune rad communit hmm remunite make a thread about a person whose name sounds like rad communtent on the forums that that almost sounds like some kind of really crazy cult leader name i mean we might find out we might. Next time on we the TBG podcast. Bye, everybody. Adios. <laughs> Bye. Have a good week. Later. Later.